0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, I'm Darren Hefty.
1: And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, we're two weeks away from the Ag PhD Field Day. We'd love to have you join us on Thursday, July 28th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. It's a free event we put on every year to say thank you to you for listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio and watching us on Ag PhD TV so I just wanted to mention that to start the show off if you're looking for more information on the Ag PhD field day just go to agphd.com. So today on our show we're going to talk a little about zinc and not not just the mineral, we're going to talk about its impact in crops. So I don't care what crop you're raising, having zinc inside that crop is tremendously important. And I know you don't need a whole lot. I look at that as a good thing because if let's say you're even way short on zinc in your soil or in your plant, it's not going to cost you a fortune to get things fixed and then you move forward. So we'll talk about everything from the phosphorus to zinc ratio, what zinc does in plants. So we'll, we'll get into a lot of that here on our show today. If you've got any questions for us, if you want to talk about that or anything else that's happening on your farm right now number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. that's 844-442-4743 you could also email us radio at agphd.com or find us on twitter agphd media darren hefty or brian hefty right now we're going to get to the agphd mailbag
0: it's the mailbag Brian, interesting question here. There's an old manure pile that sat in the same spot for I have no idea how long. This comes from Connor over in central Minnesota. He said, nothing's grown here for six or seven years where this old manure pile used to sit. We were planning to put on some decomp this year, just get some microbes going out there in the soil. Anything else you could think of that might help us get going in a hot spot like yep. this? Yep. The first
1: thing I think of is Francis Childs. His ground was a dumping site for manure, and then he ended up raising world record corn 20 years ago. 400 plus bushel corn. Darren was even on his farm and Darren saw stuff that was over going to be over 500. So, the point is, yep might not be great today, but you can raise tremendous crop eventually. You just have to take a couple more steps. I will tell you too, on our own farm here, we had a similar situation when our dad bought the ground from our grandpa. Our grandpa, uh, so it'd be my, our dad's father-in-law, so it wasn't his, our dad's home farm or anything. But when he bought this farm, our grandpa said, yeah, you don't want to try to raise anything back in this area over here. That ground's no good. Well, what our dad found out is, okay, our grandpa was on a lot of boards. He was involved in, in, involved in a lot of civic things. And he always had some meeting he had to run to. So he was in a hurry to get the chores done. So he spread all the manure in a small area. And then in the short term, we can say, oh, we killed the soil. But you know what? In the long term, that ground's tremendously valuable to us it does very very well and when I look at this soil here I look at potassium of 914 parts per million would I love to have that soil you bet I would phosphorus 150 parts per million I'd love to have that ground and I look at some of the things sometimes when we have those situations and they say hey nothing's grown here One of the big triggers for me, and the first thing I looked at when Darren said that and I saw the soil test, I go, okay, what are his sodium levels? It's probably terrible. Well, you know what? It's only 1.3%. It's only 55 parts per million. So honestly, I don't even know why this ground wouldn't be that productive because soluble salts are relatively low. Sulfur's not crazy. Boron's not crazy. The zinc's only eight parts per million, which in ratio with phosphorus is even low on the zinc side. So I don't. And Darren, maybe you saw something that I missed, but I don't see anything that would be killing.
0: No, I a didn't. Plant. And what was kind of interesting too is there were 66 pounds of <laughs> nitrogen available, and I looked at you know yep. pretty high levels of a lot of things, but only 66 pounds of nitrogen. Yet that was considered very very high by that lab. So. I don't know. That that one well, surprised me. And I know when you that, talk about Francis- That's high in terms of carryover. You talk about Francis Childs, one of the challenges that he had was how much uh, organic material there was out there. Right. And he had to apply a lot of nitrogen to overcome yes. that. And
1: that was the thing, it, when I brought up earlier, I was thinking about Francis Childs. I was just going to say Francis started putting on 400 or I think it was 450 pounds. 450 pounds
0: in. Yep. yep. He put on 450 and, pounds of And the of ground N. was just eating it up. He wasn't leaching. Any out that's right. and they, they the tested actually, the tile you know, lines. Yeah, so uh, that was that was kind of interesting. Just to think about, okay, when that carbon to nitrogen ratio is way off. So yes. I'm not exactly sure all the details around this, Connor. If that's the case, or um, you know what you need to get going out there. But I I do agree with you that getting getting microbes going in that soil again is is probably important. And maybe you try some different crops. Maybe you try something like barley that can tolerate a lot of salt. Um, yeah, but you know it doesn't have a lot of salt. It doesn't look no. like it in that it, particular sample, nope. but maybe it leached down. That's maybe, possible. You know, maybe it's yeah, down maybe. below that six-inch level. Yeah. You in.
1: know, the, the other crop Darren. and I was thinking about was alfalfa. And if you don't need it, if you can't use it, it doesn't make sense. Fine. But I, I think about our farm, like where we're at, well, we've got a dairy nearby that would love the alfalfa. And if you've got 12% K, that means that, and 914 parts a million, that means you could raise your alfalfa for three to five years and not have to apply any potassium. And it would suck that out of the soil and get that level down. So, yeah, is your K too high? Yes. Just don't apply any more K or any more phosphorus. Spend your money on nitrogen. That's what you really need here.
0: All right. Thanks for that question. Get kind of a, an interesting question here too from Jay. He said, "Guys, you were talking about humics and fulvics, and I was a little disappointed with your presentation. You had good info, but I wish you would mention products by name, uh, because I've run into too many products that haven't worked. I'd love to hear exactly which products you're using. <laughs> I know, so I, so I could do the same thing.
1: We hate to make anything that we do too commercial, so we, we sometimes." We do use specific product names, especially when maybe that's the only product out there or something. But when there are so many, I, we're we're not trying to play favorites or anything else. We'd, we're just trying to have a general discussion about Humix and Fulvix. That's the
0: reason why we did that. All right. Thanks for the question, Jay. Thanks for checking out our content, too. We really appreciate the support. Today, we're talking about zinc on the show, and we're taking your calls and questions at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD, we'll be right back.
2: It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com/gainground. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiom.com/howler.
3: With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com.
4: Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Stewart EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use.
0: We're talking zinc on today's Ag PhD radio show. Lots of questions around this really important micronutrient. If you would like to talk about that or have any other agronomic questions we can help you with, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD set out to michigan get a friend tim dukert with us right now with agro liquid tim how you doing
5: good afternoon i'm doing well here in michigan
0: Awesome, awesome. We're talking zinc on today's show, and I know this time of year, especially I, I think about a number of different crops, soybeans on our farm. You think, wow, we're we're at full bloom now. We've got a lot of pods that we are hopefully going to be filling here shortly, and and there are some nutrients that our tissue tests are showing we're a little bit short of. We've got corn that is tasseling now, or just about to tassel, and a lot of guys are thinking, man, what do I need that that pops some yield in corn? And and of course, there's lots of other crops out there too, where zinc could be one of those factors. So, Tim, you get a lot of questions about nutrients. What about zinc? What do you what do you tell farmers about that?
5: Well, zinc is one of those nutrients that uh, is does not translocate in the plant, so it always needs to take it up to uh, continually um, build that new growth. So new growth of the plant or new growth of the seeds in terms of our yield um, is always important. So it's always got to be available and always got to be available uh, to that plant so that it can uh, take it up and and of course produce more. It's uh, important building the uh, chlorophyll molecules and and we all know that turns the plants green, um, which is building those leaves and cells as it goes through. and it helps transport calcium, and we need we know we need calcium to help uh, help make uh, good yields also.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and this year, Tim, uh, just a few weeks ago, it wasn't that long ago that there was a lot of corn showing what some people say is rapid growth syndrome. And we had a number of our listeners that that pulled plant tissue tests on those particular plants and found many of them to be quite short in zinc. Now, when we have dry spells out there, sometimes we just don't get nutrients in and I think, is that what you're talking about a little bit that we need that consistent uptake and if if we aren't getting the rainfall, if we don't have enough in our soil, but there are just a lot of factors that get involved here.
5: Exactly. We could have it available in the soil, but uh, without the moisture that we can get it into the roots, that, that plant might still be grown and it, it it can do that without uh, sort of sacrificing itself and uh, some of those nutrients that it might not have every available need that it would like to have. Um, so yeah, definitely getting those dry spells. Um, it's something to think about uh, as a foliar option. Um, if we're getting in those short, you know, we're doing the tissue test and we're seeing short supplies, uh, that's always an option to help get it through maybe a dry spell, or, or if we know that we're short in soil, add, adding something extra to help, uh, at
0: that along you know one thing too tim that gets talked about is the the biologicals or the natural type products as we call them and one of the things that i've heard from a number of folks and and seen in a lot of trials is agri liquid fertilizer has been very compatible with most of the biologicals if not all the biologicals out there on the market what's different about agri liquid zinc than some of the other sources that you may see out there I think it's the proprietary way
5: that we, um, design that fertilizer, uh, not, not just zinc, but many of the different nutrients that we have that, uh, it's, it's kind of protected. So it's, uh, more available to the plant and not tied up into the soil. Um, and I think that that is part of the, part of the reason that it does work with biologicals. And then we also, um, have ways of, uh, making it safer to those biologicals too. So that's always been a part of Agri-Liquid, uh way before we knew a lot about these different biological products that you're talking of. And um, it, it has always uh, performed well when we've uh, tested or others have tested that for us.
0: Well, there are a lot of things to think about with zinc and, and having that available for our plants all through the growing season is uh, is a big thing. I know, Tim, you do a lot of research on a variety of different crops. Are there any crops that would surprise uh, farmers that, hey, this one is, is super in need of zinc and very sensitive if you're short?
5: I usually just think about corn. Um, it, uh, dry beans is one of those that, that – always had, seems to have a, a good taste for zinc and um, it's quite important to have that out there. Uh, that would be another one that would come to mind second behind corn probably for me.
0: Yeah, a lot of lot of things to keep an eye on out there. One of them is zinc in your plants and in your fields. We're talking with Tim Dukert here with AgriLiquid. Tim, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today.
5: All right. Thanks for having
0: me. You bet. Uh Let's head down to Georgia. We've got Glenn Harris on right now with the University of Georgia. Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, you guys have been catching some rain, haven't you? Oh, I think I lost it. Oh, there you go. Hey, Glenn, hey, uh, I, I was just thinking, you guys have been catching quite a bit of rain lately, and we're talking about zinc today. Is that, is that any concern with zinc? I know we talk about nitrate a lot and, and sulfate and, and other nutrients. How about with zinc?
6: Not really. Uh, zinc isn't real mobile in soils, even in our sandy soils. So uh, we're just glad to be getting the rains, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, no kidding, no kidding, especially right in the <laughs> middle of the summer. It's good timing. All right, talk yeah. to us about yeah. zinc then, Glenn. With a lot of these lighter, sandier soils, uh, is it planting time applications? Do you see a lot of guys doing foliar? How are they getting zinc out to the crop?
6: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, our crop mix down here is a little different. We got, we got corn and beans, but we also got cotton and peanuts. And uh, so corn's the emphasis and we can we can pre-plant broadcast or we can put it in a starter for using a starter fertilizer. That's very popular. Um, but the really unique thing about us is that peanuts don't like too much zinc. Um, they're sensitive to zinc toxicity. Um, so so we got to be careful. We don't build our levels too, too high. But, but that, that really hasn't been a huge issue, to be honest with you.
0: That's interesting. I know a lot of folks talk about uh, phosphorus and zinc and that relationship, too, that if your phosphorus is too low, it's really easy to overdo zinc or vice versa. And uh, I know for for farmers, we always encourage get a complete soil analysis so you know what's out there with some of these things. Do you have a target zinc level that you're going for in in Georgia or in in, uh, rotations that include peanuts? Yeah
6: yeah we do we recommend and we use malik one extractant we recommend between two and eight pounds per acre um and uh but you're absolutely right you got to have a complete soil analysis really that the zinc toxicity on the peanut issue it really only occurs when you really let your ph also drop so when your ph is low and your zinc is high that's that's death to a peanut actually so um so so ph is the other thing and and also that phosphorus zinc relationship is an interesting one because we use a lot of chicken litter in Georgia, we're the number one chicken producing state in the country, actually uh, broilers for meat, and, uh, and 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 chicken litter has zinc in it, but what else does it have in it? It's got phosphorus in it, so they it, it seems they kind of keep each other in check a little bit, so that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and it is important to consider each source of nutrition that you're putting out there. We, we talk about testing the, the chicken litter or testing the manure just to, yep. to see what's in there and, and to know how much you can safely put on. We hear a lot of different numbers about what guys are putting on for that broiler litter. What do you see out there? Is it a ton? Is it a couple of tons? Is it more than that?
6: I think most of our trucks, they got the gates kind of welded in a two-ton <laughs> per, per acre. <laughs> 2 tons per acre application, which is, it's, which is, is a good pre-plant uh, application of N, P, and K and everything else for most of our crops, so it's probably it's not a bad thing. Sure. Uh, but 2 tons per acre is a very common rate. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you a question. We we hear a lot of guys talk about rapid growth syndrome in corn, and oftentimes what we see is, hey, we're just not able to take in the nutrition as fast as we need it, and zinc is often one of those culprits. Do you guys see the same thing in Georgia? Um.
6: You know, we we might have that happening, and I didn't notice it. I don't know. Um, um, It's that's an interest. That's interesting. What I would what I would recommend to maybe try to combat that if that's happening is I wonder if they could just foliar feed a little zinc at that time because micronutrients, especially in the sulfate form, are are easy to foliar feed because you usually don't need a lot. So, um, and we got folks putting out boron foliar feeding around V four and that kind of thing. So. you know, maybe a good micronutrient package with, with a little zinc in it, manganese and boron too on, on corn would, would, would fix that.
0: I agree, and I do like the sulfate forms as well. That's been uh, a nice way to move nutrients into plants. Well, Glenn, hopefully the rain yeah. continues for the guys who need it down in Georgia. Really appreciate having you on today and hope to talk to you again soon.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me. Our cotton and peanuts are looking good, so outstanding
0: (laughs) outstanding that's good i i like cotton and i like peanuts they're fun crops to grow as well uh stay tuned we'll be right back
7: compromise is nice
1: 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souder from 360 Yield Center. For a 12 row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver.
0: Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day! I'm Darren Hefty, the Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day.
7: When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
1: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio just talking a little about zinc, but then also taking your phone calls at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got Carl calling in from Texas.
0: Hey, Carl, how you doing today? Uh, hot, hotter and hotter. That's all up my <laughs> Holidays. that's why you live in texas though carl you you like those 100 degree temps well, you just don't want the 20 below yeah, winter temps we have to put up with
8: yeah but <laughs> it,
1: yeah
0: <laughs> so. Ta- i'd say talk to us in well, six it, months when it's 20 below here we'll complain <laughs> about our weather too. all right
1: so carl carl <laughs> carl what's what's your question today what can we do for you
8: okay well first off Everybody's bailing their soybean. Anything that'll bail is getting bailed. Okay. Our soybeans are all, they're not going to make it. Sure. And so oh, I got a field that I'm debating on. It's a 20 acre field because I've already cut 300 acres for hay. Yep. But it's really pretty green. The pods are flat. The soil temperature under the plant at one inch deep is 115 degrees. Okay. And four inches deep, it's still a hundred degrees. Yep. The ground's cracked open between the rows to at least
1: two inches, and it's probably close to two foot deep. Yeah. So. And no rain inside. Yeah, Carl, we feel for you. We also have no rain inside. And granted, we're not as hot as you, but let me just tell you this: We've got a, a South Dakota State University has a weather station on our farm. And so they track every five minutes soil temp and outside air temp. Well, yesterday it only got to 83. That's supposed to be the coolest day in the next two weeks is yesterday's 83. You know what the soil temp hit at four inches deep? For us, way up here in South Dakota, 99. The soil temp hit 99 yesterday. Now, it didn't stay at 99 all day, but it hit 99 four inches deep. So, I, I mean, we feel for you. And this too, with us, we just had, we had a five inch rain. It's the biggest in history over 24 hours. And it came in one hour. So a lot of it ran off. But still, we had that last Tuesday. So what would that be? Nine days ago. And I mean, we we're just we've been hot and dry for two years now. But again, I, I mean, we we understand you're hotter, you're drier. We we know that. But I'm just saying, there are a lot of us that are kind of in the same boat as you, wishing and praying for some rain right now. So hopefully that'll happen. But if your question is well, what what do you do on these soybeans, I I, I mean it's it's really hard to know because nobody knows when that next rain is going to come. I, I can just tell you last year, now granted, we didn't have anything that had to get zeroed out on soybeans. We will this year on corn, not much, but there will be a few acres on our farm that will be zero on corn because of the drought. But I, I mean, on soybeans, we've never had to zero it out. We at least get something on the soybeans all the time. So we've never had been in that situation where we just say, nope, I'm going to get zero on soybeans and I got to bail it up.
8: Yeah, that's, well, there's just no hope. There's already been 17 days of 100 degrees,
5: mm.
8: almost in a row. Today, it's cool. It's 92. We had some rain. It went south of us. <clears throat> but the, there's no forecast for any any measurable rain. I mean, you might catch a pop-up shower, but they've sure. all went yep. around us. Yep. And so the next 10 days is over 100 degrees. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And... Mm. I can't believe the soybeans have hung on as long as they have.
1: Yeah, soybeans actually like sunlight a lot, and they withstand a fair amount of heat. Back in 2012, we went three months with no rain here. It was unbelievable, and we still average, farm average, I think, 56 bushel beans that year because we got some rain finally in August. So, I mean, yeah, they're not going to hold on forever, but they don't require as much— rainfall as corn and sometimes those soybeans can turn out okay but yeah i i mean there, there there's just nothing much you can do when you don't get any rain any time and you have that kind of heat that's that's excessive
8: yeah there's just no hope i mean for any rain really yeah and even if we got two or three inches of rain the first thing it's going to do is go down the crack
1: yep mm-hmm.
8: and second thing what happens that i've seen before is it'll you'll get a flash of green i've seen this in corn too when you think boy this corn's done then you get a rain you get a flash yep of moisture up into that plant yep and what will happen is you'll think man all these pods are gonna fill and i'm gonna make lots of beans Mm -hmm. well about 10 inches worth of beans fill yeah and then the plant Mm -hmm. just dies
1: well the the and, goal for every plant is simply to reproduce, and so what every plant's right. going to try to do is, if if it realizes, hey, I can't fill out all my pods, I'm at least going to produce some viable seed in a few of the pods. So yes, we right. we've seen that exact same thing too. It's it's understandable. That's the way the plant works. But anyway, Carl, I wish there was something we could do for you. Um, but uh, I guess the best we can do is pray for a little rain for you, and hopefully that works. Well,
8: actually rain can be the worst thing <laughs> at this point because then you're gonna you're gonna make some beans that's gonna come off your insurance but yet you're not gonna make enough to do anything with
1: yeah yep
8: and they're gonna be low quality it's just they just need they just need to disappear in a hay bale and it's making sure. two and a quarter tons of hay to the acre oh okay and that's I mean, with that and the insurance, we're, we're going to come out. Yeah, but it's sure not what I wanted.
1: No, I wanted a soybean
8: crop. Yep,
1: yep. So, I did
8: I did I was just amazed at how hot that soil was underneath them soybean plants. Yeah. And,
1: so it's interesting. In during our our commercial break, our producer for today, Alex, he had. Just run in here and talk to Darren and me, and he goes, "Yeah, what do you think about that 115 degree soil temp?" And Darren goes, "Well, believe it or not, Alex, we've had 120 degree soil temps here, so it does happen. But the difference between us and you is we're normally just way cooler than you are, and even this year, I mean, yeah, I think, but not cool. Yeah, e- exactly. So our night last night got down to 61 degrees, so that it's oh. just a whole different deal.
8: I think ours was 85 or 90.
1: Yeah." Yep, that is a hot temperature. All right, well, hey, Carl, we want to wish you the best of luck. Hopefully the rest of this season turns out okay for you, Mm -hmm. and if you don't get rain, hopefully that insurance at least gets you covered and you turn out okay to farm another year. Hopefully. (laughs) All right. right. Good luck, Carl. You bet. Good talking to you. All right, so back to zinc. I, I, I had a number of things that I wanted to bring up with zinc, and I guess let me start you with this. Zinc is a key For moisture absorption. So we were just talking to Carl about the challenge, the issue that there is with soil dryness, wetness, whatever you want to look at. And I would just say this, if you have good nutrient balance in your soil and therefore in your plants, then you're going to have less moisture it's going to take to raise the same bushels because when a plant starts to run short on any one nutrient it becomes a water waster it starts bringing in water even if it doesn't need the water so this is a big deal if you are in an area that doesn't get a tremendous amount of rainfall you always want to be thinking about how do i balance my overall soil fertility so i can use less moisture to get the same bushels And then with zinc, it is a key for moisture absorption. So to take advantage of the moisture that you have there, you want to have good levels of zinc in your soil and in your plant. Zinc's also important for flower formation, for frost protection, for helping plant growth regulators inside the plant. It's important for germination, for protein synthesis, for plant vigor. Uh, An interesting thing too, animals deficient in zinc. So I mean, not just a little short, but if they're deficient in zinc, they require almost twice as much feed to reach the same weight. Zinc is tremendously important in animals. It's tremendously important in plants It's tremendously important in human beings as well. So you want to have good zinc levels all throughout the system, all throughout the environment. Zinc doesn't move much at all in soil. It's very immobile in soil. It's been mentioned a little bit today already, but we often talk about phosphorus as being immobile. Zinc is right there with it. So you got to be careful about where you place your zinc and how much zinc you're using because you just have to understand it's not moving unless you move it. So right after this break, we're going to talk a little about the phosphorus to zinc ratio, because we get a tremendous amount of questions about that and what is the right level of zinc you should have in your soil. We'll get to that right after this on Ag PhD Radio.
8: Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brother's. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, when there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH.
0: Case IH, built by farmers. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day.
7: AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side-dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and
1: follow label instructions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren live in the Morton studio talking zinc. If you've got a question for us or you want to talk about this topic or anything else, numbers 844-44-AG-PHD. Okay, so right before the break, I said I'd talk a little about this phosphorus to zinc ratio. Back a few years ago, we started doing one-acre soil test grids on our farm. And part of the reason why we did Well, I I mean, look at what all the costs are and look at what we actually have at stake when we're farming now. I mean, we used to talk about, so when I was a young farmer, our goal was 120, 130 bushel corn, and we were hoping, just hoping and praying for $2. So you do the math, that's $240 to $260 we were hoping to get to. And a lot of times it was definitely less than that. So today, when I look at it and I say, all right, let's say I have $6 corn, and even if it's only Two hundred bushels, and I say only because our farm average has been more than that for many years now. But even if it was only two hundred bushel corn and six dollars, that's twelve hundred dollars an acre. We used to all the time say, "Boy, if I was getting a thousand dollars an acre gross income, I'd consider that a specialty crop, and I'd I'd t- take a lot more time to manage my crop better." <laughs> and now, we I mean, if we get let's say we let's say we get two hundred fifty bushel corn, let's say we get seven dollars instead of six, my Goodness, it's a lot of money. My point here is soil soils are tremendously important, and this zinc is a big deal. But part of the thing with zinc is the relationship with phosphorus. And, and so what we started doing a few years ago when we went to these one-acre grids, we started matching up every single grid point to yield. So we've got charts, we have graphs, and we can see on the whole farm, how are we doing? Where are the best yields coming from? And I can tell you that, and and we we show this kind of stuff in all our data at our soils clinics. And, and sometimes we'll talk about this in Ag PhD TV as well, so you can see the actual graphs and charts. But anyway, when that phosphorus to zinc ratio is off, our yields go down. Now, what's the right phosphorus to zinc ratio? Well, it depends a lot on who's what soils lab is running your tests and what type of test you're running. So when we were running DTPA tests, it looked like the P1 phosphorus to the zinc test, the, the right ratio is probably close to 10 to 1. Now that we're running Malik 3 tests on both phosphorus and zinc, it looks like that ratio is closer to 7 to 1. So I'm not here to tell you, oh, everybody out there has to go with an 8 to 1 or a 10 to 1 ratio. What, what I'm trying to say is it, it will vary depending on your lab and your test but understand there is an absolute relationship to this and we have the data to prove that and anybody else that's run the test will tell you the same thing but here's one of the things I want you to think about okay we had a we had a question a little bit earlier on the show today a farmer who had a spot that wasn't growing much because it'd basically been a dumping site for manure his phosphorus levels were up at 150. Okay, so if let's just say for simple math, you were going for a ten to one ratio of phosphorus to zinc, and you say, "Well, boy, I, I'm at 150 of phosphorus, then I guess I better raise my zinc." Okay, you can say that, but what does that mean? That means you'd have to raise your zinc all the way up to 15. And here's my question for you: How, what level are you going to keep your phosphorus at? Because If you say, well, 150 is extreme. I do want to lower it down to 100 or maybe 80 or something in the future, and and I'd feel more comfortable at that. Okay, well, that changes your level of zinc that you need a lot. And here's my point. Even at 150 parts per million on zinc, on our farm, with our yields, I bet I could get that – Or sorry, phosphorus, not zinc. uh, Phosphorus at 150. On our farm with our yields, I bet I could get that 150 parts per million of phosphorus down to nothing in five years. And I'm serious. But that zinc, if let's say I raised it up to 15, you know how many years it would take? Let me just share this with you real quick. Even 300 bushel corn, the grain removal only, is 0.32 pounds of zinc per year. That's it. 0.32 pounds. Well, if I've got 15 parts per million of zinc, that means I have at least 30 pounds of zinc out there. So if I can only use a third of a pound and I've got 30 pounds, that means it'd take 90 years (laughs) if it was just grain removal. Now, granted, if I took the stover away, I'd take a bunch more, but I'm not going to take that much more. So I probably have at least, even if I cut silage on that ground for 50 straight years, I'd have a difficult time taking all 15 parts per million out of my ground. You see where I'm going with this. You don't wanna raise your zinc too high to get it in ratio with the phosphorus if you say, you know what, my goal over the next two years is I wanna get my phosphorus levels down. So you have to decide what do I want for a phosphorus level and then try to work it from there on the zinc, okay? So that's probably the most important thing that I would share with you. I'll also tell you this. We do see, because zinc doesn't move well in soils, we see the lowest amount of zinc typically in the highest erosion areas. So on our farm, for example, our problem was the side hills. We had a lot of erosion over the years in the side hills. So we'd have all these yellow corn plants in the side hills Well, it was zinc deficiency. And we were so short on zinc, it wasn't enough to just throw a quart of zinc out there with the planter that's not going to cut it. So if you're dramatically short and you've got to change things, you're at a half a part per million on zinc and you know you need to be at six or eight or whatever, then I'd just say, just go broadcast some zinc sulfate. It's cheap. It's so easy. So that's what I would do. You could also strip-till it or, you know, whatever you want to do, however you want to place it. But I'm, I, I do want to, again, caution you, zinc doesn't move in soil. So if I put a whole boatload of zinc in a spot, it's not moving unless I do tillage. So just kind of keep that in mind. Okay, here's another thing that I want you to think about. How is the interaction between biological products and zinc? So Darren mentioned this just a little bit with the agri-liquid stuff because actually their their product on zinc has, has been pretty good. But we've looked at zinc sulfate, we've looked at zinc chelate, ammoniated zinc, zinc citrate. I will just tell you this, the worst one in terms of killing biologicals, and this has nothing to do with... Uh, is this a good product to use to get me some zinc into my plant? But this is just simply talking about if I want to put a biological in my starter and I've also got zinc in there at the same time, the worst one, ammoniated zinc. Almost immediately, biological's dead. Zinc citrate, not a whole lot better. Zinc chelate's pretty good, not perfect. Zinc sulfate's really good, and Agro liquids product for zinc really good. Now, we haven't tested every zinc out there, so I'm not trying to, you know, play favorites or, you know, pick on anybody necessarily. These are just the products we've tested. So, just be really careful if you say, boy, I want to use a biological product. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to throw ammoniated zinc with it in my starter. Well, that's going to kill the biological and you're just flat out not going to get results. So be really careful about which zinc source you use and where you put that in relation to your biological. Okay, and then the last thing that I've got is this. Back in 2004, we ran a program on, it was a research project on 650 farms in a five-state area around us. So it was the Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska. 650 farms. And we wanted to find out which nutrients are long and which ones are short, we're going to pull plant tissue samples. Do you know what the number one micronutrient was that was short? It was zinc. It was zinc. So when we took a look at that back in 2004, we found that roughly 40% of the plants were low or deficient on potassium. We only found 17% of the, the corn plants were lower deficient on nitrogen, but zinc, 66% were lower deficient on zinc. We had a massive zinc shortage. And I want to come back to something I mentioned a little bit earlier about the corn removal. So the grain removal, just grain removal on zinc for corn. There are a lot of fields around the country. If you're raising, let's say, 230, 240 bushel corn, you know what? You're pulling more zinc out than what one quart of a zinc product in your starter is likely replacing. So my point is, you've probably been thinking about this, oh I throw a quart of zinc in, you've been doing that for years. Well that may have been fine when you were getting 180 bushel corn but now when you're getting 230 or maybe 250 and you probably have spots on your farm if you're averaging 230 or 250, you have spots on your farm that are averaging, or that are getting 300. Well you're really falling behind there. So I would tell you if you're getting higher yields, you're going to have to put more zinc on. Okay, right after this, we're going to get back to the phone lines here on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. What's new from New Farm?
2: Longbow EC herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burn-down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC. Available
1: for fall. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products, like the FullTech tech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from SprayTech. Contact your local retailer or visit
7: SprayTech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans' moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more.
0: Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever, each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil
7: Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency
3: and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at soilwarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system, with coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift. ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com/hypro.
1: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren, live in the Morton studio, talking zinc today, but we're going to get back to the phone lines. Got Jeremy calling in from central Minnesota. Hey, Jeremy, how are you today?
3: Pretty good. How about you guys?
8: Doing great. That's good. So I got a
5: odd question, I think, because usually I'm trying to keep my soybean shorter because they always
3: get too tall on me and go down, and then I get white mold. Yep. Um, this year... I got some beans, uh, basically, long story short, got planted around the first or second week of June. Yep. Um, Dad was spraying pre-emerge on them right after the planting. Uh, well, probably a day or two after planting. Um, it was Fierce Easy, and then some Metribuzin. Yep. Um, and then, uh, well, they had a chance of rain coming that night. And uh, somewhere out of the blue, a shower popped up and before he was done spraying and got a half inch of rain. He come back within a half a day to a day later and finished spraying them. They weren't probably when he come back. I suppose they were just maybe starting to crack. Um,
1: (laughs) I see where you're going. Enough
3: that they stunted them. Yep, (laughs) yep. Um, And then, uh, well, because then that that rain they were calling for later on never did come, and uh, I think we got a rain like eh, maybe three, four tenths, maybe two days later. Sure. Um, And I thought maybe they'd be okay, but uh, well. Basically, yeah, they're, uh, well, since all that went down, we probably got another inch and a half, two inches of rain on them. Um, I just kind of thought maybe by now they'd be coming out of it better than they have, but, I mean, they're just, um, I don't know, slow-growing, and <laughs> yeah. just curious if there's something I like can spray on them to get them to get some height out of them back here. There's quite a few short ones. Well, basically, the lighter grounds works the worst, you know, like the 10 feet ground. Um, yep. where they're the worst the heavier right. ground towards the other end of the field they're pretty looking pretty decent i guess now finally yeah
1: but okay. Uh,
3: okay. So yeah i just curious
1: something i can spray on the okay them taller <laughs> yep yep no I, I i hear you and i'm in the same boat you are we would like our being shorter typically so at first glance you say all right shorter's shorter's shorter is great but anytime that the beans are starting to crack and you're spraying with, okay, so like the Fierce MTZ, What what's in there? Uh, the Metribuzin that, that you said you used. Yep. That's a problem if the beans are cracking. The group 15 is, is Zidua. So that would be the name brand product. It's the active ingredient from Zidua's in Fierce. That's not a problem, the group 15. But what is the trouble is the Valor that's in there. So the Valor is a PPO and then you got and So you had two things in there that absolutely will harm beans if they're cracking. I assume the reason why the light ground looks worse is isn't because the herbicide moved into the ground fast or anything like that, because sometimes that can be a problem with different herbicides we're talking about. What I believe it is, in this case, is that ground was just warmer, and so those beans were further along. And so they were maybe cracking a little bit more, or there was a little more of a gap in the crack to allow that herbicide to hit that bean. And there's, just, there's no real recovery from that. So in corn, for example, or even wheat, you could go spray gibberellic acid and the plant will get taller. We don't really have that in soybeans. There isn't any biological product, any plant growth hormone, anything that I know of off the top of my head where I say, yeah, this is really going to elongate our soybean stems Uh, because, like you say, (laughs) pretty much all the efforts and the research and everything else has been designed around shortening the beans, not lengthening them. So in terms of how you make that plant as healthy as possible and just make the best out of the situation is just try to keep the field weed free, insect free, disease free. You got to have good fertility out there. I mean, maybe even a little nitrogen boost might help them, but I mean, the plant is damaged and there's just no recovery from that damage. Now, how much it's going to hurt you, because I'm sure that's the next question, I don't know that exactly. And Darren, maybe you have a better answer to that, but I I mean, it could be three bushels, it could be 20 bushels. I'm not real sure. So it just depends on how hard that bean took it initially and how much of that herbicide got into the bean right away but all i know is beans are it's just not so a good situation
0: beans are just so strange though brian man they can they can really come on later they in could. the year even they could even though you don't think they're gonna be good but I, i'll right. be honest i'm not expecting that no just it sounds like you aren't either but but uh, yeah, they, yeah it, it could happen yeah, I, if you get plentiful rain and ideal weather yeah,
3: and like I said, I thought maybe here you actually got about an inch and a half over three days over the fourth of July. And yep. I thought that would do it some good and get some heat. And sure. I mean, because for a while them, them leaves were cupped, and they, you know, I thought maybe once that, once them beans finally come out of the ground, you know, with them leaves touching the the ground and the soil yep. and whatnot, and yep. I'm sure they got cupped pretty good. Um, but I just kind of thought maybe by now they'd at least be kind of growing out of it faster. But yeah, I mean, like the heavier ground, I mean, it they were cupped worse and then it looks like they're looking pretty decent now um what about would something like mega grow or inertia would that do any good they're spraying that on now or would that help any at all you think or no
1: it it most likely would and i'd try that stuff but all i was kind of getting at is neither one of those is really going to lengthen that plant out so those are plant growth hormones they will typically help the plant but I'm not, it's not going to be some miracle cure thing. I don't want to mislead you to think that, boy, if if these beans got hit really hard, that there's anything we can do to get them fully back up to where the other beans are at. So it's just, it's an unfortunate situation, and and I'll be honest, I mean, we've had similar things happen to us as well, and so we just kind of usually chalk these situations up to learning experiences, and we say, okay, in the future, I have now learned that this is where I'm drawing the line, and then hopefully it doesn't happen to us again, but yeah, it was an unfortunate deal for you, it sounds like, And, and so hopefully the beans turn out okay, and... That's that's about the best we can say
0: right
3: yeah yeah because like I said I was thinking of spraying something and uh, yeah. fungicide or something Like I said, keep them sure. at least keep them healthy from
1: here on out but yeah yeah they're just <laughs> like I'm usually trying to keep them shorter what uh,
3: can I ask do sure. you uh, you have is there something good out there for help shorten them up and um, keeping the nodes shorter or closer together I guess for
1: okay that when they do are normal and healthy and tall and All right. Well, you mentioned like fierce and I I said Zidua is one of the components of that. So Zidua is a group 15 and all the group 15s a lot of times will shorten the beans a little bit. So we do talk about, let's say it's Warrant Ultra that's got Zidua and Flexstar or or the active ingredient from Flexstar. Let's say it's Anthem Max uh, or sorry, Warrant Ultra is Warrant and Flexstar. Anthem Max is the active ingredient from Zidua and then Cadet. And in both cases, you've got a group 15 And a PPO, and that will help keep the beans a little bit shorter, and it will give you some residual control. So you spray this pretty early when the bean is uh, post-emerge, pretty small yet, and that will help a little bit. Other than that, people have talked about cobra for years, and that's okay. But the problem is, boy, if you don't get rain soon after, your bean plant's just going to suffer. And we've had yield loss from that, too, if you spray it too late and you don't get the rain. So I'm not a big fan of that. In terms of any plant growth hormone uh, or any product like, let's say, palisade. We use palisade in our oats. We've used it in our wheat. That will shorten the plant, and it's fine. But it doesn't do that for soybeans. So we don't have any labeled product to shorten beans. I I wish we did, and we keep looking for it, but haven't found it yet.
3: (laughs) Okay, well, if you ever find one, I'd like to know.
1: (laughs) Oh, we'll Uh, be talking about it. (laughs) All right. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks thanks for the call, Jeremy. Yep, good luck to you.
3: Thanks, you guys too.
1: You bet. All right, Um, Darren, we had Fran from Massachusetts called in, and he said, Uh, He had a Roundup question. He said, everyone knows the whole story about Roundup. Has there been legislation as far as downwind spraying notification? Um, And he says his relatives moved because they were concerned about living downwind from spraying Roundup. Fran, I would just say this. We feel bad for you and everybody out there that you've had a whole bunch of uh, bad stories about Roundup and you don't get the truth. The whole thing is all around the world, legislative bodies, I shouldn't even say legislative, regulatory bodies have found for 50 years Roundup does not cause cancer. Glyphosate, I should say, does not cause cancer. So that that's not an issue. And keep in mind, glyphosate, the active ingredient, it works on an enzyme that's found only in plants. We don't have, as human beings, that enzyme at all. It only works on an enzyme found in plants. So I would just say this. It's proven time and time and time and time and time again it doesn't cause cancer. Now, you might say, well, well, then how can they have these lawsuits? Keep in mind, here in the United States, you can sue anyone for anything. And if it's a great big company and they get 10,000 lawsuits against them, would they really want to go to 10,000 trials or would they want to just settle? And so that's what ends up happening in a lot of those cases. The other thing I'll leave you with is gasoline. If you pump your own gasoline, keep in mind that has benzene in it that is a proven cancer causer. And if you pump your own gasoline without wearing personal protective equipment, you're taking 50 times the risk as if you're out there anywhere near Roundup. So I'm not saying Roundup is absolute. Well, you just always have to wear personal protective equipment, any herbicide you're spraying. So I'll leave you with that with Roundup too. All right, well, thanks for listening today, and we'll see you again tomorrow.